Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. All right, you guys, thanks so much for joining me again. I have a special guest who was with me last week where we talked about self-care and self-love from a Christian, wholesome perspective. And so if you missed that episode, make sure you go back and listen, especially all you mamas. Um, But for this one, speaking of you mamas, you ladies have asked me a number of times to speak to the topic of postpartum depression and mental health surrounding when you have kids. Now I have had kids, but I did not feel like an expert around this topic. So I I saw, I seized the opportunity when I saw Annabelle and found out that she has her own um, uh, clinical practice doing therapy and stuff for people as a counselor. And so I wanted to pull her on the show. So Annabelle, thank you so much for being here with me again. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is something that I am super uh, passionate about educating and, you know, starting and continuing conversations around. I, like you mentioned, I do have my private practice uh, in Rosenberg, and I got to serve my community out in the Houston area, which is where I'm originally from, for several years uh, working in the nonprofit sector. Um, and, you know, I'm just a homegrown girl from Houston, <laughs> and um, I got my license in professional counseling, so I, I've just, I, I've been so passionate about this. It's really been a God move, uh, not just in, you know, starting my practice my practice, but also just the beginning of it. I really didn't know what I was going to do with my degree when I finished uh, graduate school. I mean, when I finished my undergrad and God said you had to go back and get a graduate degree. And I was like, I don't want to, but I listened and I was obedient. And I'm so grateful because it led me to where I am. And I got a lot of experience working with women. Um, When I worked in the nonprofit sector, I was actually part of, of an organization called the Texas Pregnancy Care Network. TPCN, and they provide uh, a lot of resources for women um, during their pregnancy, after their pregnancy, they do parenting classes, they provide uh, a lot of um, goods for moms, so like helping them with diapers, wipes, you know, supplies. Um, It's a really great program. I really love it. And their heart behind this program is to provide support to moms, because we know that becoming a mom is so hard. It's beautiful, but it's hard. And I think so much around maternal mental health, uh, I think especially in the last 10 years, really has come from being impacted by social media, which don't even get me started on social media. It's a love-hate relationship that I have with it. Um, But I think it's impacted women in their maternal well-being because it sets up this um, ideology of like, it's going to be beautiful. We're going to have all of these you know, scripted moments and these pictures, and it's just going to be awesome. And it's going to be, you know, Instagram worthy and all that's good. Nothing against it. Those moments happen and then they're gone. And now we are, you know, cleaning poop off of our elbows and vomit off of our bras and, (laughs) you know, all the other really hard stuff that comes with parenting. And so it's like, oh, this is what I thought it was going to be. And this is what it is. Um, And then we kind of walk away feeling like a lot of failure. Like I'm not doing it as good as the next person because we're seeing social media and, and it has that effect on us. And so that's just one of the negative aspects of social media impacting maternal well-being is that comparison trap 
seeing how other people are doing it. Because think about it, most of us are not going to, you know, post pictures of, you know, what our stomachs look like after having a baby. We're not going to post pictures of, you know, if you're breastfeeding, what they look like after your kid is not on them. You know, we're not, which we probably shouldn't be doing boob picture pics anyway. But like, you know what I'm saying? If we don't talk about those really hard moments, what our bodies look like, what our emotions are like, what our bodies feel like, you know, when you've just had a baby or if you've had a C-section, you know, the recovery from all of that. Uh, And so we just kind of like imagine the beautiful part of it and totally forget that there's this other side of it that, you know, is part of the process and is equally beautiful in its own way because our bodies have just given life, but it's not the part that's socially acceptable. And so we only see the pretty stuff and then we get hit in the face with the hard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Well, and I think, I mean, pretty much that takes us diving right into the topic. Um, but how about let's back up and maybe describe, cause when I, I never felt like I struggled with postpartum, I had all my babies at home. So I didn't have like, like care, like overcare, you know, from nurses and people checking in on me and checking my levels of this, that, and the other. So I didn't really know if I had postpartum or not, but when I look back, I remember having some kind of dark thinking like, and when I say dark, I just mean, I remember with my first son, my labor was like three days. Um, I pushed for like almost four hours and I almost died. My placenta didn't come for like 10 hours. And, um, and it was very tragic, very traumatic on my body. Well, it took me like, I only nursed him for about five weeks or so which I was happy about, but you know, I wanted to go longer, but I remember it took me a full nine months before I felt like myself again. And I remember when he was very brand new sitting there and looking at him and feeling zero attachment, like almost like I was looking at someone else's kid. And I remember even thinking like, huh, I think if anything happened to him, I don't know that I'd be terribly bothered, like horrible, horrible thoughts like that. And so when I look back and recognize those things, I'm like, oh, that probably was some postpartum that I just didn't recognize what I was yeah. doing with. And I'm grateful it didn't get worse than that. But I remember feeling a little disoriented, like yeah, and detached. Yeah. Detached. Like I'm not really here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. can you describe like what is postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety I've heard about? Um, and what are some indicators that a woman might actually be walking through that? Yeah. So there are two distinct uh, types of diagnosis. So the postpartum depression it's it's like a depressive episode, except that it's happening as a result or after the birth. And sometimes it can even happen while you're pregnant, but you don't realize it. You just think, oh, I'm tired of being pregnant. I want to have this baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually what it looks like is just feeling angry or irritable uh, when the baby's here, kind of like having lack of interest in the baby. It could include appetite or sleep disturbances, it could have you know episodes of crying or sadness, feeling guilt, shame, or hopelessness. And, you know, even just thinking like loss of interest or joy in the things that you used to enjoy. So if you used to enjoy listening to music, you can't stand music. It's, it's just everything is irritating you. Um, and even uh, having these, you know, very dark thoughts of, you know, either harming yourself or harming the baby or, you know, even passively like, oh, well, if something happened to him, like what you mentioned, I wouldn't be terribly upset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all some of kind of like the telltale symptoms and they can vary from person to person. And a lot of times what we see the the risk factors associated with this is if a person has had a previous uh, history of mental health issues, previous depression, if they have any, anything that just kind of gives them a predisposition. So like if they've had a traumatic childhood, you know, re not necessarily reliving that, but just kind of like being confronted with, and now you're a parent, 
how are you going to do it? Uh, or even like, oh, now you're being the mom that you never had. Like all of these are kind of things that kind of can add to, you know, uh, the stress of being a parent on top of just the regular stuff, which is like, oh, I've got to change them every two hours. I've got to feed them every 30 minutes or I'm the pacifier, which was my case with my second one. I was like, my body was literally not my own for like a solid year. Um, and so, you know, all of, you know, that's the normal stuff. And then you have this other layer of stuff that is just different. And uh, like I mentioned, there is a, you know, a, a chemical imbalance taking place because there is this significant drop in hormones when you have your baby, like you were pregnant and now you're not. Yeah. And that drop, you know, so there's the normal amount of like what they used to call baby blues. And then there's postpartum depression, which is just heavier, harder. You're really not connecting with your baby. Uh, I think baby blues, the way they used to talk about it, back then was just like, it's just hard. I'm just tired. I'm just cranky. I'm not having a really good time here. Uh, but it wasn't so severe to where it's like, I want to hurt myself. I want to hurt somebody else. Or even, you know, some women in really severe cases can experience psychotic episodes where they have hallucinations or they hear voices, you know, sometimes telling them to hurt their babies. Um, you know, we, we live in the Houston area. So it's like, it's something that we actually, you know, got to as a community experience when we saw a mom killed five of her kids a couple years back or I don't know, a couple decades back. And that was very, very sad. And I think that that was one of those cases that really brought it to the forefront, at least here in Texas, like, hey, this stuff is real and it can be really, uh, you know, dangerous. And there's really these big consequences to not catching it early. Um, and so just even having a good idea of what is your mental health going into pregnancy, um, if, you know, especially for women, um, I, I, we see it a lot with women who have had, um, trouble conceiving and they've gone through all of this effort to get pregnant and it the pregnancy is really hard and they're like oh my god you know having second doubts which you can't put the baby back it's coming out no matter which way you want to see it um and so just kind of like being confronted with that like we tried really hard for this kid and now i'm like not enjoying it like what's wrong with me mm -hmm. and so one of the really thought bad thoughts that they have is like i'm such a terrible mother uh, and which is why our approach to these women when they're going through these moments of despair is so important because they're already thinking really bad things about themselves. They don't need your help to make them feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That was actually that kind of jumps into one question that had come up when I posted on social asking for people's questions. Um, one mentioned that being part of the church and being part of Christian circles, she said, it's not that anyone was trying to be unhelpful, but she said in the church, there's so little awareness around mental health period, because I feel like the church in general targets the spiritual aspect of people. So they can tend mm -hmm. to demonize the, the soul and the body, you know, and like, mm -hmm. you know, if you have kidney stones oh must be a demon you know no it's probably that you don't drink enough water you know and so like the church can kind of demonize things when we should be offering hope and comfort and so she said how can we as believers create a more nurturing safe environment for our fellow christian women who may be walking through this and have empathy even if we've never gone through it what are some things to not say what are some things to make sure we say yeah. And again, I think you hit it right on the nail, not over spiritualizing it, because think about it. Let's just say you are a super faithful person. You're, you know, faith is in a good place. You have a healthy prayer life. You have a good relationship with God and you're experiencing all of this despair. If we were to go back and read some of the Psalms, we could easily say that David was depressed or had anxiety disorder. Yeah. Because a lot of what he writes about is very, very dark and despairing. Yeah. 
But can we agree that David had a great prayer life Mm -hmm. and was close to God and was named the the man after God's own heart? Yeah. So he experienced these things and we don't demonize him. Right, right. But yet here we are as women struggling with this stuff and it's not evidence of a bad prayer life. Right. You know, uh, it's important that we normalize the situation for them, that we communicate our support. Uh, it's not enough to just say, I'm here for you. Call me if you need anything, but really being there. Mm-hmm. Um, so showing up in tangible ways. And I know, you know, sometimes church can be really good about like, oh, let's get the meal train together. Mm-hmm. And that's good. But also just, you know, sending a message, you know, hey, when you wake up, when you're resting, if you want to talk, text me back or, you know, I'm here for you. How are you really doing? Because a lot of times, you know, when you say, oh, how are you? Or sometimes people will just totally forget to ask mom, how is she? And they will ask, how's the baby sleeping? How's the baby this? How's the baby that? And we'll totally forget to acknowledge, hey, I just pushed the baby out or I just got cut open and I made the baby. What about me? And so making sure that, you know, in tangible ways, we are reaching out to mom and really, you know, checking in on her, like, look at her, you know, again, we do a lot of FaceTime, you know, hearing her, talking to her. Is she okay? You know, don't just, you know, uh, be okay with like, oh, I'm good or I'm blessed and highly favored, you know, my favorite. Um, Just like really asking, how are they really doing and really checking for yourself? You know, it doesn't mean go knock down her door and like invade her space because we are in the middle still at the end of the pandemic in Jesus name. Uh, So we don't want to be spreading germs, spread love, not germs. Um, But we do want to be able to check in on our friends. And so definitely like FaceTiming or asking like, hey, when, when, when is a good time to talk? I want to. I miss you or whatever, like letting them know that they are still a valuable member of society. And and, and one of the things um, that is so different for us now versus, you know, eons ago, um, I had read this book. It's a really interesting book and it's historical fiction, I guess. It's called The Red Tent. I can't remember who the author is, but it's, it's kind of like a retelling of, I think, Diana's story, Dinah's story, sorry, Dinah's story. Oh, Dinah, okay. Um, and so in the red tent, like it, it gives you this elaborate explanation or not explanation, but like it really uh, paints the image for you of what being a woman was back in the ancient times. And so when women gave birth, they went to the red tent. And so the red tent signifies where women would go when they were bleeding or, you know, basically when they were unclean, when they were menstruating after they had babies, this is where the women would congregate. And so if you think about it, if I just had a baby, I'm still bleeding. I'm surrounded by all my my, my women relatives in this tent, I am not alone. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we could look at it and be like, oh, they shunned the women over there because they were bleeding. Yeah, we probably didn't want the men to be around anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of worked both ways. It worked great. But think about what does it look like now when we recover from our babies? We tend to isolate because we don't want the germs and I get it. But like, we're not going out in public. We're not going to church. We are, you know, resting uh, in, in the Hispanic culture Uh, We actually call it the quarantine uh, in Spanish. The word is cuarentena, which literally means 40 days. Mm -hmm. And that is the amount of time that after you have your baby, you're supposed to be at home and either your mother or another female relative comes and stays with you during that time to make sure that you heal properly. Mm -hmm. So even within my culture, like that is the expectation that anytime a woman has a baby, a female relative is supposed to come and be there with her. How often does that happen? Right, right. Not much here. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I'm not going to demonize society or, you know, culture or anything like that. It's just, this is the reality. Yeah. This is part of the problem. And I think that that's why we're seeing such a rise in it that before maybe we didn't see. Agreed. I totally agree. And I think too, kind of back to the, the idea of, of 
how we can unhelpfully demonize things. I think sometimes as believers, we can get away from common sense but when mm-hmm. we over-spiritualize things, because if you just think through the practicals of everything your body went through to have a baby, of course, you're going to have some hormonal craziness happening afterwards, you know, yeah. like you just said, the baby's there and there's a certain level of hormones the, that's flowing through the body to keep that baby there. And then when the baby's gone, those hormones take such a shift and such a change. Mm-hmm. It takes time for that to normalize again. And God's so smart. Breastfeeding really helps. I do remember I could feel breastfeeding, healing my hormones. Like there'd be times Mm -hmm. I could feel just like the endorphin wash and it felt like it was stabilizing me. And it was so, so helpful, but some people can't breastfeed after they've had their, or I found that for those who have a C-section, just common sense thinking now, not only did you carry and deliver a baby, but now you're recovering from surgery and Mm -hmm. surgery and any kind of physical repair uses endorphins to heal your body. And so that's common when someone's had a cold or the flu or anything that you have kind of a moody crankiness after you've recovered because you have an endorphin low and it's, would, why would it not be the same thing from surgery? Yeah. And sometimes it lasts even longer because it takes a longer time to rebuild your endorphin stores. And so like, even if we just look at this common sense wise, um, and realize you're, you're not just a spirit, you're a body, you're a soul and you're a spirit. And so is your spirit involved? Of course, your spirit is affected by your body, your spirits, but the body is still there, but the body, and your emotions are still there. Yeah. And so I think as Christians, we can just help each other by not automatically jumping to a spiritual explanation for a very physical thing that just happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And we don't do it with people who have diabetes. We don't tell them, oh, you've got a spirit of diabetes or, (laughs) you know, stop taking your metformin and your insulin, you know, like, no, we don't, we don't say that for the, for the physical stuff, but way too often with the mental health stuff, like we, we, we treat it differently. And it's like, no, it's, right. you know, and so I always, you know, talk about that just comparison. Like if you wouldn't tell somebody, Hey, get over your, your diabetes, or, you know, don't listen to your doctor, you know, with the metformin that he's giving you, like, then don't criticize somebody's mental health journey. And, you know, this might be their way. Are there a lot of things that can help? Absolutely. Um, you know, when you think about, you know, the natural way that our bodies heal, you know, um, you know, you know, walking, getting your sunlight. Uh, that's a big one. I, a lot of people don't realize that we are not outside nearly enough. And so we do have a vitamin D deficiency, which can mimic uh, symptoms of depression. What we're talking about, like just feeling our energy level is low. We're feeling tired all the time. We're cranky. We can't sleep. We're feeling, you know, our mood is down. All of that is, looks like depression, but it could technically be a vitamin D deficiency, which can improve itself by getting sunlight, or even if you need to take like a, an actual supplement. Um, I've had it happen to me where my vitamin D levels got so low. My doctor actually had to prescribe me a high dose vitamin D that I would take every week mm-hmm. because it got so low. And so um, that's one of the things that we also need to you know, be aware of is that we, like you mentioned, we are, you know, body, mind, and soul. There's the spirit aspect of us. There's the body aspect of us. And, um, and there's the, the, the emotional side of us. And we have to address all of all three sides of us. Yeah. We have to have a relationship with God. 
We have to take care of our physical bodies and we have to take care of our mind. You know, the things that we think uh, if we need therapy, we engage in that. You know, there's a lot of natural stuff that we can do to help ourselves, you know, at physical activity. But some of that is limited when you're postpartum because you don't go out anywhere because there's germs everywhere. Or you don't, you know, in my case, you don't go out because your mama's not going to let you go out because yeah. you're in your quarantine. Um, and yeah, so, just, you know, I like sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair, yeah. sitting in uh-huh. the sun helps, you know. Yeah, all of my babies had uh, jaundice. So like I would have to do the whole sunbathing thing with them. And so I would like, you know, get them basically just leave them in their diaper and, you know, go outside. And so I was really blessed that I had a May baby, a July baby and an October baby. So all of those were perfectly acceptable to be taken outdoors in this Texas weather. (laughs) But yes, you know, so sunbathing, getting your sunlight movement. I don't like the word exercise because like you're like cursing at me when you say exercise, (laughs) But, but movement is, you know, it's part of what a body needs. And again, like when you're in your postpartum care, like you've got to be gentle and kind to yourself, always get clearance from your doctor to do anything. But for the most part, they will tell you, get up and walk around. Uh, You know, don't just stay in one room, walk to the kitchen, walk to the bathroom, you know, uh, you could do one lap around your house and then sit down. All of that is uh, important to kind of like help rebalance yourself after you've had a baby. And I think it's also important to, you know, be honest with ourselves you know, uh, and your medical team, like if you're not getting better, uh, and this is the part that kind of like, is, uh, you know, a little sucky for, you know, in in our healthcare world is that women don't get a follow up until when they're six weeks, their six week postpartum visit, they don't have any other intervention. Yeah. So most times where we're seeing the, the intervention take place is if a it's at the pediatrician's office, when three days or five days after the baby's born, mama and daddy take the baby to the, to the pediatrician and the pediatrician looks at mom and is like, oh my God, you're not doing good. Uh, but that's in the more severe cases. Most times if mom is good at faking it, pediatrician won't pick up on it. She won't say anything. Nobody's asking her about it. And so it's not until her six week visit that her you know, um, OB-GYN will give her the little questionnaire yeah. and she'll check off all the things that she's feeling. And then the OB-GYN will be like, hey, you're experiencing postpartum depression. Well, that's already been six weeks that she missed out on connecting more effectively with her child. Yeah. And so getting, yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. I would say even like probably a lot of moms, especially new moms don't even realize they're dealing with something because they just think I'm not sleeping at night. So everything feels messed up. You know, my body hurts, my boobs hurt because nursing is difficult. You know, like there's probably so many, she probably is going to be thinking, at least I was, this is just part of the journey. I just need to suck it Mm -hmm. up and heal because it's just not easy. And she may not realize she's carrying some postpartum depression or anxiety. The two are different. Yeah. Yeah. So the anxiety is, uh, you know, kind of like the word says, it's more focus on the anxious part of things. So like a lot of worrying, uh, feeling, you know, fearing bad things are going to happen. You can have a lot of racing thoughts, so it could interfere with your ability to sleep or relax. Mm. Um, and also like your inability to sit, to sit still. So you'll, you know, that person might be a little bit more physically agitated. Mm-hmm. Um, another aspect of this is that you'll be really worried about something bad happening to your baby. So now not only are you not sleeping because baby wakes you up every couple of hours to feed, but now you're not sleeping because you're like, I need to check him to make sure he doesn't stop breathing. I did that too. I yeah. did that too, especially with my later ones. Yep. Oh, that was hard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because so, this is like, it's a double or triple punishment. 
It is. I know, right? It's like, it's not easy. And when you're bringing life into the world, and I do think there is a spiritual aspect to it in that the enemy is just an opportunist and he's going to look yeah. for an opportunity. He looks for when we're weak and that could be weak in body. You know, there's a reason why the Sabbath is called holy because when we're rested, it's easier to walk in the right attitudes and right fruits and whatever. Um, and so the enemy knows that when we're tired, when we're depleted, when we're discouraged, that's a great time to come in with wrong thinking. So I don't want you guys to think that the enemy or spiritual things are not at play in this. I just don't want you right. to put an unbalanced level of weight on mm -hmm. that because yeah. then it can bring shame and guilt that's that's misplaced, you know? Yeah, no, and definitely pray for your friends who have had babies you know pray that they have you know easy deliveries that everything goes well that you know they get the proper support and that god you know you know uh, help you to be a good support for this friend you know pray against the spirits of you know depression or anxiety if you know that this is something in maybe in particular that your friend has struggled with even before baby got here mm -hmm. you can be intentional in, in interceding for your friend and for this baby and for these you know beautiful relationships that are supposed to um, you know, be crucial in the making as they're connecting, as they're forming this bond, like don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, like definitely <laughs> pray for your friends, yeah. but maybe back away from the cliches when you're talking to her and just ask her like, how can I, you know, how can I help? How can I be more, you know, helpful to you? Or how can I be praying for you? Like, is there anything that you're having a really hard time with that I can either pray for you about or you know, maybe fill in the gap and come like, if you're having a really hard time with, you know, I haven't had a shower in five days or whatever, like I'll go sit with your baby. Yeah. You yeah, know, exactly. Exactly. And I think, I think we can forget how powerful just a simple compliment is like, Hey, I just want to remind you, you are an amazing mom already. You know, you just mm -hmm. had this baby, but you just went through hell to bring it to, to life. And you are an amazing, you know, just those little things can like affirmations. Yes. It brings so much life. Um, okay. So let me ask you, uh, let's see here. What are some of the simple, how, how are some of the, okay. What are some, we've kind of naturally gone through a lot of these questions I had for you. What are some simple things that women can do to help themselves if they feel like they're dealing with the depression and the anxiety, obviously going to their doctor is one thing. Um, I now this is my take because I have more of a holistic view when it comes mm -hmm. to health and wellness. Um, and I know, for example, I had gone through a bout of depression. It wasn't related to baby, but it just was kind of, I think it was around burnout. Like, I think I was burning out in the ministry and, um, and I remember for months I would lay in bed and I, I just didn't feel like myself. I just, something was wrong. I just wanted to lay in bed and cry. And my poor husband, I'd be like, something is not right. Uh, something's wrong with me. And I don't know what it is. And I was just like, I just want to cry all the time. And he, you know, had no answer. He's like, uh, I'm sorry, he'd pray for me. Um, and so I remember asking the Lord, like, what is this? Like, is this depression? I've never had depression. I don't know if, what depression feels like. Um, but I just remember asking the Lord to connect me to solutions. And I remember the Lord explicitly dealt with all three aspects of who I am. And I remember listening to a message that felt like spiritually kind of opened my eyes to what potentially was going on. And I remember something just breaking over me, like mm -hmm. breaking off of me spiritually. But then I also went to a naturopath who the reason I like naturopaths is because they don't just throw medicine at me. They throw solutions yeah. to heal my body. And so what he did is he was able to analyze my system and he was like, Oh, 
all of your hormones are really messed up because you have, um, what was it? A pesticide buildup in your pituitary gland. And so the, the pesticide buildup was, was throwing off my pituitary gland's ability to regulate all of my hormones. And so something was wrong with me. I was very unbalanced. Yeah. And so he got me on some supplements and then the Lord also challenged me. The Lord was like, Jenna you're not resting. You are taking your work to bed. And so I had like these super high uh, cortisol levels because I was never allowing my body to rest into sleep or whatever. So the Lord was like, you need some new habits. Like don't take work to bed, drink hot tea before you go to bed, drink lavender tea to bring down your cortisol and go on walks. And so the Lord like dealt with all gave you the solutions. Yeah, yeah. He gave me the solutions and help me find wisdom. And so when it comes to practical stuff, um, how can women help themselves? Obviously they can't live at the doctor's office. And so what are some things yeah. they can do from home to help them come out of maybe this depression or anxiety? Yeah, no, definitely. I love this, you know, the, the, the alternative medicine, you know, uh, approach. Cause that's obviously it is, it is true. There's a lot in our, you know, food supply that we don't know what's in there. Um, but I think, you know, even more just practically, you know, like practical skills would be uh, mindfulness. So trying to stay as present as, uh, as you can be enjoying the little things, uh, maybe even getting back to small things that you enjoy doing. So like, you know, things that are not too taxing. So like reading puzzles, crafting, or maybe even just, you know, documenting what this new journey is like. And so one of the things that brought me a lot of joy was writing in journals for my children. Um, you know, if they did something or if I would take a picture, which now like Polaroids have come back. So like, mm -hmm. it's even easier to like snap a photo and bam, it, here it is. And just kind of attach it to the page and like, write Like what your thoughts were in this moment. Um, I love taking like close-ups of my children's like feet or hands or the little nose or just little kind of like, I don't know, micro pictures of, or magnified pictures, I guess, of like certain parts of their body. And I would just, you know, marvel at them. And so sitting in gratitude really helped me to not get stuck in the, you know, negative aspects of being a new mom, you know, and there are plenty of them, you know, but again, kind of like trying to find the joy and the beauty and all of those things was really helpful for me. And mindfulness, I know sometimes it can be a little like, oh, well, is mindfulness Christian or not, you know, or meditation and yoga and all of those things. And so mindfulness is just simply the practice of being present. Yeah. And so there's a little exercise that I teach my clients to just engage the five senses to bring them to the here and now, mm -hmm. which is the five, four, three, two, one. And basically with five, four, three, two, one, you focus on five things you can see. So you kind of like, look, I, I see my lamp, my water cup, I see you, my tissue box and my AirPod case. Mm -hmm. And then I go down to four. What are four things that I can touch? Well, I can touch my face. I can touch my sweater, my hair, and my laptop. Okay, what are three things that I can hear? Well, when you were talking, I could hear you, I can hear me, and I can hear my little noise machine outside my door. <laughs> what are two things I can smell? My uh, Scentsy pod and my hair. And then what is one thing that I can taste? Well, I can still taste the green tea in my mouth that I was drinking earlier. Uh -huh. And then that just kind of centers you and brings you back to the present if your mind is kind of like getting away with like thoughts and going here and going there, this just kind of like brings it down. And so mindfulness, again, it's just the practice of being present. And so not letting your mind kind of get away with your thoughts, but like, where, where am I right now? Right now I'm spending time with you and your listeners. Uh, I am, you know, sitting here at my desk and I just like, kind of like process, like I'm sitting in my chair. I can feel my chair supporting my body. Yeah. It's just being here mm -hmm. instead of letting my thoughts get away from me. And so that's something that 
we don't necessarily practice enough. Again, it's not something that's taught in schools or most schools. I think Harmony Schools does teach it. And I think, what is that other school? The Montessori schools teach mindfulness as well, but most schools, they don't teach that to students. And so that's something that we can practice for ourselves, but then we can pass on to our kids mm. because they're going to, they're going to model what they see us do. Yeah, that's true. Um, the other one okay. is resisting the urge to isolate. Uh, so again, this is the time for bonding with your baby. That is a beautiful relationship, but that doesn't mean losing yourself in the process. Mm. So making sure to still seek out your friends, um, you know, FaceTiming people, staying connecting, uh, staying connected in relationships so that you don't feel lost in the middle of all of this. That's really good. That's really good. I love that you mentioned paying attention, like being grateful for the little moments because a friend of mine who's also a therapist said that um, when you have gratitude thoughts or grateful thoughts, mm -hmm. it releases the same chemical in the brain that you experience when you're in love. And yeah. so the fact that having grateful thoughts can make you actually feel more in love with your life, I think is so powerful. And so just, again, reveals the genius of God and how he's made yeah. <laughs> and so I love that you mentioned that, but um, I wanted to call that out because that was kind of a mind blowing concept for me, how simple, but powerful yeah. that gratitude. Absolutely. Can be. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's see here. What would be, okay. Well, I guess those are all the major questions that I had. Um, what would be any last thoughts that you may have for any mom who finds herself in this place or isn't sure if she's in this place? Does she just call her family doctor? Does she call like a, a care worker in the area that works for the breastfeeding people? Who does she contact? Yeah, so there's several options and I'm gonna actually share a link with you to the Postpartum Support International website, as well as the Texas Pregnancy Care Network. Because uh, all of the bo both of those uh, offer groups that you can go. Uh, some of them might be parenting groups. Some of them might just be new mom support groups. And especially now in this day and age, you know, so much of it is virtual. So it's like you don't even need to leave your house yeah. to be able to engage in these services. But definitely reaching out to their, you know, their healthcare provider. So if it's you know two weeks, three weeks after their postpartum or they're having their baby and they're experiencing like things are just not getting better, like reaching out to their OB/GYN and laying them out like, hey, I'm struggling. Um, but even some of these other resources, I would say do both because, you know, they are under the care of these doctors. So like, let them know what's going on, but then also kind of like trying to find this, don't wait for somebody to bring the help to you. Right. You should seek help because nobody else is going to know that you're going through this. And so it really starts with being honest with yourself and then being, you know, willing to, you know, say, Hey, I'm, I'm not doing good. And so a lot of it can be very anonymous. You can literally go on your iPad or your computer, look up these resources um, and I think it's also important on the flip side of this, that uh, to realize that as a church, we often fail women when they're going through these things, when they're struggling with their mental health, um, we make them feel uh, like there's only one way to handle it. You just got to pray your way through it. And that can be so harmful because what if this woman has been praying, yeah. you're discounting what she's already done. You're questioning her faith. And, and so it's, you know, it can make them feel like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It makes them feel like they're like they're failing. And so it's important that we, um, you know, yes, recognize that prayer isn't essential in our lives. But I don't think God gets offended if you go to the doctor when you're physically ill. And I don't think he's going to get offended if you seek professional mental health. Right, right. 
I mean, heck, even in the Bible, Jesus said it is not the well who need a doctor, but the sick. So, ladies, it's not unspiritual. Get some help. Okay. So then lastly, um, what are some just real simple? Cause I'm all, I'm an achiever. I'm a doer. I want to be able to help myself immediately. Um, so what are some like herbs, supplements, hot teas, little, little things they could safely get their hands on that even they can do while nursing or whatever that can help lower cortisol or release feel good hormones or anything like that, that, that could be. Yes. Yes. So earlier you mentioned something about drinking water. I don't remember when you mentioned it, um, but drinking water, staying hydrated, that is super important in um, not only like if you're breastfeeding for you to produce more milk, but also to heal yourself. Um, even the mental conversations that you're having with yourself, you have to remember to be kind and gentle with yourself. You have a hole that's like nine inches big inside of your body after you have a baby. Wow. I think sometimes we forget about that, that we literally have this open wound that is healing on the inside of us and we want to tackle the world. And, you know, like we just need to take that time to rest. Mm -hmm. I keep going back to that mindset of the red tent and what that signified during this period of rest, you know. Yes, it was, you know, considered, you know, oh, this is where the unclean women go, but it's also where the women go to be together, to not leave each other alone. And so, you know, don't let yourself get isolated, you know, seek connection with other people. Um, and, and I think just, again, being willing to like, this is not my failure. I, there is not something terribly wrong with me. I am going through a difficult time. I am having some real emotions and some real struggles, but that is not the sum of who I am. I am still a good woman. I am still a good mom. I'm struggling, but that, you know, what my struggle and who I am is not the same. They're not one in the same. They, you know, they are two different things and we can go through a difficult season without becoming a bad person. Just like we can go through a good season and not end up a good person. Like, yeah, it, it works both ways. Yeah. Um, and so we have to just be willing to, you know, tend to ourselves to be kind and gentle with ourselves. Um, but you mentioned kind of like some supplements, like some of my favorite that it's just like in the Mexican culture, it's like chamomile cures everything. You can't sleep, drink chamomile. Your stomach hurts, drink chamomile. Uh, you're, you're anxious, drink chamomile. Like chamomile is the answer for everything. Uh, which it's not my favorite, but uh, my favorite tea is actually Sleepy Time. I love uh, that. There's, yes, it's, I, I don't remember the brand. Is it, it's, it's not traditional medicine. It's the Celestial Seasonings. Yes, Celestial Seasonings. And they have the little teddy bear on it. So like that one is like my favorite tea at bedtime. Or anytime I'm feeling just a little wound up, it's, it's not going to like knock you out. But if it's time to go to bed, it's going to help you go to bed. Um, and definitely like my favorite thing to do is, um, which postpartum like unfortunately you can't get in a tub I remember that's like the hardest thing oh really but like yeah well I, I don't know if all doctors if that's still the the saying that you're not supposed to like sit in a tub after you have the baby oh yeah um okay. because yeah so I think I, I don't I don't know I, I think once I got clearance I was like I'm getting in the tub I'm getting in the tub because that's like my personal self-care um, but I think just kind of creating like a, an environment that I, especially like before you are going to have your baby, if you, if the baby's out, well then make your, make your happy place now. But mm -hmm. if you have a chance to prepare ahead of time, like things that you like to be surrounded with, especially if you're going to, you're going to be in your home. So you want to make sure that it feels good for you. Yeah. Um, and that you're comfortable in it because you know, that, 
you know, it's an extension, not necessarily of who we are, but it definitely affects us. Sure. Yeah. I remember before I would go into labor, like when I was within a few days, I would go and get a pedicure because I was like, when I'm sitting there laboring and I stick my little toes up out of the water, it's just going to be that much more refreshing to see pretty toes. (laughs) (laughs) I remember it actually really helped. I was like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) That didn't heal my body, but it definitely helped my, my state of mind, you know, and as silly as that is, but, um, I think what you mentioned about vitamin D earlier, and I think, um, I know now some of these things you guys will have to just Google online and make sure they're okay. If you're breastfeeding, because I know some Mm -hmm. herbal teas like chamomile, you can't have when you're pregnant because it can be a risk to, um, an early labor. Yeah. And can induce labor. Um, but after like when you're breastfeeding, it may be okay, but I know some herbal teas can affect your milk supply. So you just need to Google it, but if in doubt, just drinking a hot drink, even if it's just lemon, you know, just hot lemon water or whatever, that's got vitamin C in it, you know, and it's going to be soothing because it's warm and whatever. Um, but chamomile, heck I, I love hot tea and the Lord taught me to drink lavender tea. And I later realized it's because it lowers my cortisol levels and it helped me sleep and it helps with allergies. And so, um, I think anything that you guys can do that nurture healing, I know GABA, like, when I recently went to the naturopath, he, he said that my GABA was depleted, which GABA is a supplement in your brain that helps you process stress. And so I don't know, like if GABA is safe when you're breastfeeding or not. Um, but if you have a naturopath doctor around you, I would say even go to them as complimentary to going to your regular doctor, just to ask the naturopath, Hey, what are some essential oils that might be safe that help, Mm -hmm. um, help heal my state of mind or even heal my body, you know, help me sleep better. Do I need GABA? Am I depleted in anything that I can supplement? Um, I think that's super, they're just simple ways. God put healing in so many things that we have around us. And so anyways, that's amazing. So thank you for those, but that brings me to our life hack. Um, and so you guys don't go anywhere. We have a really awesome life hack that Annabelle is going to bring us. And then, uh, we'll hit the end of the episode and we'll have more great episodes coming up next week. So don't go anywhere as we head into our life hack right now. Okay. So Annabelle, what is the life hack you've got for us on this episode? Well, my life hack, like I mentioned earlier, is just my space looking nice and smelling nice. So like, I mean, I think I might've mentioned earlier, like uh, when I was doing the mindfulness, you know, kind of like engaging the senses. So -hmm. that one is one that I really enjoy, but then also just things smelling good. So like I, if I, I'm either diffusing something in my diffuser you know, lavender or something that, you know, is, you know, obviously helps with relaxation, but also has some medicinal properties. Um, But then also sometimes, you know, I'll revert to Sensi because it's just easier and I can have it in smaller spaces. Um, But yeah, for me, it's, it's all about the sense and, you know, soothing images. Uh, So a lot of times I'll just do some imagery work with myself as well. So like, I'll just close my eyes and, you know, I know we always joke around like, oh, take me to my happy place or Calgon, take me away. But, you know, those are little mental breaks that we can give ourselves that can just, it's just enough of a pause that again, it's not a, you know, five day cruise, but it is a, just a momentary relief from all the pressures that we have that builds up against us that if we don't give ourselves a break, they are going to break us. Yeah, that's so good. That's so true. And those simple things make such, they make such a difference because they, 
they help drop the the trajectory movement of the momentum mm -hmm. of stress thoughts and stress hormones and all of that yeah. to help bring it down and i think sometimes we want like this big thing this big vacation and nothing against big vacations or cruises like i enjoy them as well but i i mean just think about it like when you're running your vehicle do you wait till you get to the 30,000 mile maintenance to put gas in it no, you put gas on it probably on a weekly basis, you know, like, but yet somehow you think that you can go for like 30,000 miles without putting anything in your tank and that's not feasible. And so you're going to have to figure out like, what are the most meaningful small things that you can do for yourself, whether that's taking days off, whether that's, you know, doing these little mini visual guided imagery breaks for yourself, reading a book or taking a day off or whatever that's going to work for you, but something you can do a little bit at a time that builds a more sustainable practice for yourself to not break down. Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned something earlier in the episode that to me is also super practical and a major life hack where you talked about being kind and gentle with yourself. And I remember when I was going through my depressive episode, the Lord highlighted for me and allowed me to recognize how I was talking to myself from the moment I woke up. Like, I remember when I would wake up, I'd be like, oh gosh, now I have to get all these kids up and out the door. And oh, I hate school mornings. And like, it was negative self-talk from the moment I woke up mm -hmm. and the Lord was like, how do you expect to have a good day like that? <laughs> you know, yeah. so I had to like intentionally switch the way I was talking to myself or when I made a mistake and you and I talked about this before we started mm -hmm. recording, when I made a mistake, I, I literally even still will pay attention. Okay, Jen, don't be so hard on yourself. Like you made a mistake. Mistakes are beautiful too. Like it's okay. Give yourself grace. And mm -hmm. you had mentioned would I talk to myself or would I talk to my yeah. friends way? Yes. And that's a really good, um, you know, litmus test for like, what is my self-talk like is, am I being, you know, nice to myself? Like, you know, kind of like pulling back the nineties, you know, what would Jesus say? Or what would Jesus do at hearing me talk like this? Like, you know, like this isn't healthy. This isn't how Jesus wants me to talk to myself. This isn't how I would talk to my friends. Therefore I shouldn't engage with it or engage in that with myself either. And so you're right. Being kind and gentle is, is important. And that self-talk is important too, because it's the mindset with which we're going to operate in. Yeah, that's so true. And I think as you guys take the time to recognize how you're talking to yourself and trying to stop bad habits, it's equally important to, to incorporate healthy, positive self-talk. So maybe even when you're practicing mindfulness, like Annabelle is talking about incorporating positive affirmations during that time. And I know it's all trendy right now and all the universalists are all about affirmations and manifesting, but you know what? It was God's idea first. <laughs> So. Yes, it was. Absolutely. Yeah. Just go back and read the Psalms. David was practicing positive affirmations. Yes, he was. He was. It was God's idea first. So take advantage of the tools that God already has given us and just use those. And again, never, never, never never be so dismissive of what you're going through that you don't reach out for help if you even think you need it because usually we minimize our experiences and so if it's enough for you to consider asking for help you probably really do need help right would you agree yeah with that? yeah you probably needed it five steps earlier and you know just remembering that you're not alone and that's what i love about support groups is that they you know bring about the normalizing of your experience because a lot of times we're just kind of stuck in it by ourselves and we're looking at it, what everybody else is doing. You're like, well, nobody else said it was this hard and nobody else said that, you know, they were experiencing this or that. And, and when you go to the support groups, 
everybody's kind of at the same place. And yes, their experiences may be different, but then you're not so alone. And I feel like the enemy likes to get us when we're on our own, because that's when we're vulnerable. It's true. It's true. I agree. Well, Annabelle, thank you so much for coming and sharing your wealth of knowledge and wisdom and grace and kindness. And, and you guys, if any of you, um, feel like you need some help or you want to reach out, Annabelle, do you do like psychology sessions virtually? I do. I do provide therapy services virtually. As long as the patients are in the state of Texas, that's where I'm licensed at. So I, you know, I do have, like I said, a private practice here in the Fort Bend County area. I do provide services throughout the great state of Texas. Um, I am on a wait list right now, so I will throw the warning out there, but I'm hoping to grow my practice to have some more clinicians to help me with, um, you know, just the, the surge that we've been seeing in mental health crises. Um, I think in part just to the isolation that we've seen with the pandemic. Okay. Okay. Well, um, you guys, thank you for listening to this episode. If it was helpful, if you have a friend who you think who has just had a baby, just send her this episode, just in case, <laughs> just send yeah. it to her because there was a lot of things that Annabelle mentioned that can be indicators for her to maybe get help early if she might be traveling the path of postpartum issues. And, um, so just send it to a friend. If it was helpful, if you know someone who can use it, share it with them. But Annabelle, thank you so much for coming on the show and helping my listeners. Well, thank you for having me. This was such a pleasure and I'm so excited to be able to share this with other people. Absolutely. All right. Well, you guys, listen, don't forget, go check out the merch store. If you want some Java with Jen merch, we've got cups, coffee, t-shirts, all the fun things. And um, otherwise, I will see y'all on social media, Instagram at Java with Jen. If you caught this episode, take a screenshot, throw it in your stories and tag me. I want to see uh, who's vibing with this episode. But otherwise, I will see you guys next week. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon. Or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one day at a time.